Well, if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to join me in 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. And uh, for those of you that have a, a printed copy of Scripture, you can flip open. If you open your Bible in the very middle, flip to the left a little bit, you'll find 2 Kings there. 2 Kings chapter 4. Those of you that are digital today and you've maybe got the YouVersion Bible app downloaded on your phone, I encourage you to open that up. If you go to the events section of your Bible app, not only will all the Scriptures be there, but all of our main points will be listed there as well. And there's a spot there for you to insert your own personal notes as well. And so you can follow right along with where we're at. And uh, I find that it's helpful when people can track to see where you're going so they know when they get out for lunch. You're welcome. <laughs> Second Kings chapter four. Let me read just one verse, verse six, and then we'll, we'll go into the rest of it a little bit later. But Second Kings chapter four, verse six, this is what it says. When all the jars were full, everybody say full. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. The oil then stopped flowing. If you're taking notes, you can write this one thought. Here's the big thought today. The, we're going to unpack it and we're going to walk it through. But here it is, the one thing, bottom line, fellas, I know a lot of you are direct to the point. You want to know what the main thing is? Here it is. I'm giving you the bottom line right up top. You can check your fantasy football stuff after this moment right here, fellas. Here it is. God will fill whatever you bring. God will fill what we bring. He will fill what we bring. If we bring it, he's going to fill it. If we bring it, he's willing to fill it. God will bring what we, or God will fill what we bring. I'm going to preach to you a message today. It's not a part of a series. It's just something that's been on my heart, kind of a standalone uh, sermon today. And the title of the message is simply this, bring it. Everybody say, bring it. I'm about to be bringing it. I just want you to know. Hey, can we pray one more time over God's word and that he would open our hearts? Father, we thank you today that you are here with us. Lord, over these next few minutes, we ask God that you would open our eyes so that we can see truth. Open our ears so that we might understand. God, and open our hearts so that we can have complete revelation, understanding, and illumination, Lord, of who Jesus is and what your best is for our lives. How we thank you that uh, over these next few moments, it would be a life-giving experience for us and that we would be drawn closer to who you are because of the things that we're seeing in your word and in your scripture. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Here at Faith Church, we have a, a mission statement. It's, it's kind of simple. It's, it's there. It's, it's real basic. Our mission is this, that we want to bring faith to life, helping people belong, become disciples, and build the kingdom of God. Now, it's up on the screen for you because I want us all to say this together. Can we read what's on the screen? Can we read this together? Our mission is this. We bring faith to life, helping people belong, become disciples, and build the kingdom of God. We are committed to bringing faith to life. We want to bring it. We want to bring it. We want to bring faith 
into the context of our lives. We want to bring faith in the context of a lot of other people's lives. We want to bring faith into the context of our daily routine so that other people can look and see, oh, that's what faith looks like. Oh, that's what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. Oh, that's what it looks like to be a construction worker who when they hit their uh, hammer and a thumb meet together, that's what a Christian response looks like. Some of you are like, Pastor, that's a big faith statement. I don't know if uh, anybody can do it. I'm just saying, when we're in the classroom as teachers and we're communicating something to the students, we want students to look up at the board and to hear a voice that sounds a whole lot like a person, but something behind the voice says, man, this person is a whole lot more caring than anybody I've ever met. Why? Because faith is being seen in their life. But faith will only be seen in lives when we make a decision to bring it. You got to bring it. We want to bring it. Now, I want to walk you through some things this morning. You might be looking at belong. That sounds like a great B word. Become a disciple. Okay, cool. Build the kingdom. I think I know what that means. Let me break this down to help you understand as a church what it looks like. I mean, how do you know if you belong? I mean, we all know that we need a sense of belonging, but what does it actually look like to belong? What does that actually mean? I mean, how do you know if you're belonging or not? How, how does somebody know? Let, let, me, let me help you understand what I think it looks like. Because you can have a sense of belonging, but if there are no corresponding actions because of the belonging, do you really belong? What does it look like to belong? How do we know if we belong? Three things, real simple. You attend regularly. You're meeting the people that sit around you. And you're inviting other people to attend. That's how you know if you really do connect. And if you're really at a place where you know that you belong here. I believe this is a, a church uh, that anybody and everybody can belong to. You don't have to believe all of the same things that we believe to know that this is a safe place for you to come and be a part of. Now, we're going to keep pointing you to Jesus. We're going to keep talking about Jesus. We're going to talk about surrendering every single aspect of our life to Jesus because that's what this whole thing is all about. But until you get to the same point and reach some of the same conclusions and, and discover some things on your own because you're on a journey, I'm on a journey, we're all at different stages in our journey, I just want you to know this is a space where you can belong. What does it look like to belong? It looks like you attend on the regular. It looks like when you're here, you're looking for other people to introduce and to say hello to because it's not just about you. It's about creating a sense of belonging for other people too. And we take it a step further and we invite other people to come along with us. We have this uh, really neat resource available to everybody. We, it's called Save Your Seat. Save Your Seat. Some of you have, uh, are here because you clicked the Save Your Seat button on a website or on a Facebook ad or somebody told you, shared the link with you and you click Save Your Seat. And when you do that, it just lets us know that you plan on coming and we just roll out the red carpet for you. We'll make sure you have somebody to sit by. We'll make sure you know your way around the facility. Make sure uh, you, you get in and get a good spot to sit in and to make sure that today would be a, the day would be a life-giving experience. It's a great tool available to you who are a part of our church to use to invite your friends to come to church. To be able to say, hey, why don't you come to church with me this week? Go to our website, 
click save your seat and we'll meet you at the door and be there ready. And it'll be a great life-giving experience for you. It's an easy way to help somebody take a next step. Why? Because we want to bring faith to life. And the first part of that is helping people know that they belong. Helping people know that they belong. But it's not just about belonging. We want to keep... Uh, and we invite every person to participate in this. Not only do we want you to belong here at Faith Church, we want you to know we want to help you become a disciple. What does that look like? D- disciple, it sounds like a real spiritual word. No, we're not going to all like put on sandals, robes, and uh, go walk around, follow somebody for three years around uh, the Middle East. Uh, no, we're not going to go all the way back. That's not what a disciple is. Here's, here's what we believe will really help you become a disciple here, to help you grow in your faith. When you learn how to have personal devotions and when you start participating in a connect group. Connect groups are those things that, uh, that meet throughout the week, some on a weekly basis, some on a biweekly basis where you can connect in and get to know and to build friendship. And at the same time as you're building friendship, just start to develop and grow in your faith. Why? Because we don't want you just to stop at belonging. We wanna help you become a disciple. That's, that's really what this is all about. And, and every week we're teaching God's word and, and we're hoping that you're taking notes and, and you're learning how to get into God's word on your own so that you can become a disciple too, so that you can have your own devotions. Because while I'm preaching, I'm building your faith, but if you don't know how to retain your own faith, come Tuesday morning on the drive-in and you're dropping your kids off in the school line, you will lose your faith. And then you go pick them up and you're like, doggone, I lost it all already, right? Like, you need your own faith. You need to be a self-feeder. I'm feeding some good stuff this morning. I'm gonna feed you some, I'm gonna bring it this morning. I'm gonna bring it right to your table. It's up to you to eat it. But on Monday through the next Sunday, we want you to know how how to feed yourself so that you don't starve come next Sunday. We want to help you feed your faith. What does it look like to become a disciple? Well, when we're looking around, looking and saying, man, are are people really growing? Are people becoming a disciple? We look at two things. Do they have personal devotions? And are they participating in a connect group? That's what it looks like to become a disciple. Here at Faith Church, that's the context. That's, those are the things that we're focusing on. But we don't want you just to, we want everybody to belong. We want everybody to become a disciple. But man, we want everybody to build the kingdom too to help us build the kingdom of God because it's not about our agenda, but there are, are, there are people who are lost and hurting and broken and they need the message of faith in their lives. And the only way they're gonna get the message of faith in their lives is if we bring it. And when we begin to build God's kingdom, we're really starting to bring it. What, is it, what does it look like to build God's kingdom? We give and we serve. How do I know if I'm helping to build God's kingdom? It's simple. You're giving and you're serving. We want every person that's a part of Faith Church to belong. Attend on the regular. Invite people. Meet people that you're sitting around every week. We want you to belong. We want you to become a disciple. Have your own 
personal time with the Lord where you're reading, you're praying, you're worshiping, you're growing, you're listening to the, God's word again, and you're, you're participating in a connect group, a smaller gathering, getting to know some people, growing in your faith. That's what it looks like to, to become a disciple. And we want you to build the kingdom. We want to help equip you to give and to serve so that we can continue to see God's kingdom expand and grow beyond just one thing. It's to continue to grow and to help more people discover faith in their life, all because some people decided it's time to bring it. Turn to your neighbor and say, bring it. It's time to bring it. It's time to bring it. As a church, man, we, we, we are committed to bringing our best and then some. We're committed to bringing our, a centered focus on who Jesus is. We're committed to have some joyful generosity and faith-filled stewardship. We're committed to having high expectations and equally high amount of gratitude. We want to bring our focus so that we can accomplish more by doing less. As a church, we want to bring it so that we can make room for more people to belong. As a church, we want to bring it. We want to bring faith to life. That's what we're committing to. That's what we're about. But here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the thing. The thing that gets in the way of us bringing it is often our butts. B-U-T. Butts. The thing that was going to keep this widow from bringing some jars so that they could be filled were a few of her own butts. When we stay squatting on our butts, we miss the opportunity to bring it. Let me, let me, let me unpack this for a little. Let's go back to the text in, in 2 Kings chapter, chapter 4. Before you throw me out as a heretic for singing the word B-U-T multiple times already in the context of this message, let me bring it to you from Scripture, if you don't mind, for a minute. 2 Kings chapter 4, let's start at the very beginning and get a little bit of the context of this story so that we understand why what she brought was so important and what God did was even more important. 2 Kings chapter 4, starting in verse 1, this is what it says, the wife of a man from the company of prophets, she came to Elisha. Elisha was kind of like the main prophet in that day. And she says this, your servant, my husband, is now dead. And know that he revered the Lord greatly. Those three famous words, here they are, are three famous letters that form one word, but. But now. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. This woman was now facing an interesting predicament. Husband had died. Can you imagine the heartache to lose a spouse? Some of you have walked through that. Some of you know exactly what it looks like and feels like to lose a spouse. That's where she was at. And not only that, their debts were so great because he was the main breadwinner. He was the main source of income. He was the one that took care of all the financial things. Now he is gone, which means now her source is now gone. She has no provision. She has no more money. And now the creditor is coming. And because she can't pay her debts, she's taking away her two kids. 
Some of you are like, hey, can we go back to that time? I got, I got some that I could offload to a, a debtor. Hold on. Did she get to pick which kids went first? I don't know. All I'm saying is they were coming and she didn't really want it to happen. But now, not only am I having to deal with this pain and this heartache, but now. But now I got this whole dude, he's calling all the time. I've been screening his calls. I've been sending him the answering machine. These people just won't give up. They keep coming. They keep knocking. They show up at all hours of the day, all calling, all hours of the evening, interrupting my mealtime. I can't get them off the phone. So I quit answering. I disconnected my phone because I don't want to talk to these creditors. They keep collecting. They keep trying to get it. And now they're coming for my kids. You want to know what her first, her butt was? It was her pain and her problems that were very front and center in her life. If we're not careful, we will allow personal pain and problems that we are experiencing right now to keep us from bringing what God wants us to bring. And when you let problems and pain keep you from walking in what God is calling you to do, you will miss out on the promises of God every time. I came to encourage somebody today. If you're experiencing some real pain and some real problems in your life, don't stop now because it only intensifies right before the breakthrough shows up. If there's pain and problems in your life, it's because there's a promise right on the other side and you're oh so close to that promise. Don't stop now. Keep bringing it. Because otherwise the pain will convince us that we can't contribute, that we can't bring it ourselves. Pain and problems are really just opportunities for God's power to become the most present. When I've walked through some of the more difficult seasons of my life, rather than stopping and giving up, I kept pressing through. God showed up in the most powerful ways in that season. Why? The Bible says he's near to the brokenhearted. He's close to those who are sorrowful. Right? He's an ever-present help in time of trouble. But don't let your butt of pain and problems keep you from bringing it. Keep moving in the right direction. I love what she did. She had some pain and she had some problems. And it didn't, while it, it was very real, she didn't let it stop her from coming to the right source. She came to the man of God and says, I need some help. She knew where her help would come from. She knew that the Lord would be there for her. She didn't go to her book club. She didn't go to her little gossip game night group. She didn't go hang out at the street corner in the supermarket at the coffee shop talking junk and talking smack and saying, woe is me and posting stuff on Facebook for self-pity purposes. No, no, no. She knew where to go to get her source. She knew who could provide. She knew who could point her in the right direction to help her overcome her pain and her problems. She went to the right source. She kept moving forward. And I love Elisha's reply in verse two. He says, he replied to her, how, how can I help you? I mean, what is it you really want for me to do? And then he just skips over because she really didn't know what she needed or how to help or anything along those lines. He just kind of jumped right to the next thing. And he says, let me ask you this. Let me, let me rephrase it. What do you have in your house? What is it that you already have in your house? And she replied, your servant has nothing at all, she said, except but 
I don't got nothing but a small jar of oil. What do you got? Nothing but just a small jar of oil. Just a little bit. I don't have much. It's just a little bit of oil. I don't have a lot. I, I don't have nothing. It's all me. It's the boys. It's another problem. All I've got is a little oil. That's all she had. Her butt started showing up again. Here, here's, here's the second butt. Her perspective. Her perspective was a little shallow. Her perspective was missing something. Her perspective was that what she had wasn't enough. Isn't it funny how when it looks like we have an opportunity to contribute something, when it looks like maybe there's an opportunity to serve, when it looks like there's an opportunity to give, we are the first people to discount and discontinue or dis, we, we get to the point where we discredit what our contribution could be. Well, I don't, I don't have much. I don't, I don't have much time. I don't have much ability. I'm not really all that gifted. I don't have a lot of friends. I don't know a lot of people. I'm not, I mean, I, I, I'm a blue collar worker. I just work hard. That's all I know how to do. I, I just work hard. I got a lot of other things going on. I've got all these other things. I don't have much time. It's just a small time, just a little bit. And we are the first people to incorrectly assess what we have to offer. Always, always is the case. We're the first persons to offer up objections as to why it couldn't happen this time. Why we can't participate. Why we can't serve. Why we can't give. Why we can't show up every week. Why we can't meet new people. It's not our personality. It's not our way. It's not who we are. We always are shifting and sticking out our big old buts, which keep us from bringing in. Because our perspective is skewed. Our perspective is shallow. I came to tell somebody today, though, God does his best work with the things and the people that are overlooked the most. God does his best work with people who overlook themselves. God does his best work with people who don't think that they have. God does his best work with the overlooked. David, he was a small boy, age about 13, hanging out in the fields. He was the number six of all the brothers in line. The prophet Samuel showed up and said, hey, I'm here to anoint a new king, Jesse. He's in your house. Bring me your sons. So Jesse brings five of his six sons. David gets overlooked, looks at all five and says, uh-uh, this isn't it. You got any more? Well, we've got one little guy. He's out in the field. We just keep him with the sheep. He gets overlooked. He becomes the greatest king Israel has ever known. Through his lineage, produced Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who is the reigning king of all the world, by the way. And it was just from a little boy who got overlooked. It was from a little boy who had two loaves and some fish. He just had a, had a, had a to-go bag from the fish, fish camp. And they were overlooking. We don't have enough food to feed everybody. Jesus says, well, what do you have? Well, we got a little boy. He's got a little fish. Jesus feeds 5,000 men plus women and children with just that little bit. God does his best work, friends, with people who overlook something. God does his best work with people who overlook themselves. Think about an old woman named Sarah who was well beyond her, her ability to bring child. Jesus, God shows up and says, hey, Abraham, I'm going to start a big family through you and your wife. Hey, Abraham's like, her? <laughs> no, it's all dusty. I ain't going to work, bro. I don't know if you recognize what's happening. That is all. That's not going to 
work. And Jesus says, God shows up and says, watch, you're overlooking it and I'm going to make it happen. Watch what, because God does his best work with stuff that gets overlooked. God does his best look. Think about a temperamental fisherman. He was all sort of mouth and all bite and bark and he was crazy. He had anxious thoughts. He was weird. He said things. Jesus had to curse him and tell him he was acting like Satan. And Jesus says, hey, Peter, guess what? I'm going to build a church all because of who, I'm going to do it through you. Watch out, Peter. Look out what's going to happen. Everybody had disowned him, discredited him. He had even disowned Jesus. He was overlooked. It wasn't going to happen. It was a teenage little girl who Jesus, who the Holy Spirit showed up and says, I'm going to conceive through you the son of God. Teenage girl. Nobody looks for a teenage girl to bring in the savior of the world, but God does. Why? Because God does his best work with people who have a perspective that says I'm overlooked and I can't do it. What is it that you are discounting in your life that you don't think you've got enough of? I just got a little bit. I just got, I don't have much. I haven't been saved that long. I don't know much of the Bible. Can I really help preschoolers understand Jesus? I don't have much knowledge myself. It's just a little bit. I got a lot of other hobbies and things that I'm doing. I don't have a lot of time, pastor. I just got a little bit. Friends, I'm here to, here to tell you, all God needs, all God needs is what you got. He doesn't need any more than what you got. If you've got something, that's all he needs. He's not asking you to do something that he hasn't already put within you the ability to do. If God starts nudging and moving in your heart, it's because God wants you to begin to do it. He's placing it in you to do it, to bring it. You've got to get your perspective set right so that you can see the solution. We have to get our, our butts, our pain, and our problems. We've got to get the butts, our perspective. We've got to get it out of the way so that we can see the solution that God has for us. The widow had to see the solution too. Verse three goes on, Elisha says to her, go around, ask all of your neighbors for empty jars. Ask them all, get a bunch of them. Don't ask for just a few. He's telling her, hey, get a bunch of jars. Get a, as many vessels as you can get, get your hands on them. What's the solution here? Here's the solution that he was, he was giving to her. You need to go borrow some vessels. You don't feel like you've got very many vessels in your house? I'm telling you, go borrow some more vessels. What does that look like? It looks like this. Go borrow somebody else's perspective. You don't feel like you've got enough faith right now? Go borrow somebody else's faith for a little bit. You don't feel like you've got the ability to parent the kids that you got? Go get in touch with somebody who is parenting and doing things right and borrow a little bit of their wisdom and insight so that you can apply it into your life. Is this making any sense to anybody? Sometimes we just got to go outside of ourselves, humble ourselves, and start borrowing some wisdom. Don't show up and asking somebody for a handout, ask them for a fresh perspective, and that fresh perspective will help you see the solution that you need. Get the perspective. Get the perspective. There's a solution in your house. There's a solution waiting for you. It's about going and borrowing some vessels. See, because if you can get around other people who have a greater capacity than what you have, People who manage their time really well. People who know how to, how to uh, interact with other people. People who are good at, at doing something that you want to do. 
Get around them. Why? Because then you can borrow some things from them. Begin to understand some things from them. You get to learn some things from them. Start borrowing it from other people. That's part of the solution. I'm, now, don't hear me say word borrow when all of a sudden you go line up at the bank on Sunday or on Monday to try and borrow a bunch of money. That's not what I'm talking about. I've been wanting a new car, Pastor. No, I didn't tell you to go buy a new car. I didn't say that. What is the thing that you feel like you don't have? I don't have time. Go find somebody who does have time and ask them how they manage their time because they got the same amount of time as you do. They just figured out how to use it better. Having trouble managing your finances? Go find somebody that you feel like can manage finances pretty well. Ask them some questions about a perspective. Why? Because then you'll learn how to handle your money a little bit better. Why? Because God has something in store for you. It was part of the solution. There's another solution hidden in here. Verse four goes on to say this. Then he, he told her, then go outside or go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons, pour some oil into all the jars. And, and as each one is filled, just put the jar aside. And she left him and shut the door behind and her sons. And they brought the jars to her and she kept pouring and she kept pouring. What's the solution to some of her, her butts that she gave earlier on that she didn't think she could do? Some of the solution was, here was the solution that he gave her on this, this one. Close the door. Close the door. Everybody say, close the door. Sometimes when you're getting ready to bring it, you gotta just close the door. Close the door. You gotta close the door on some things. There are some things that are distracting you in your life, and that is the very thing that's hindering you from bringing it. You're not, you're not bringing your best to the Lord. You're only giving him sloppy seconds. You're not bringing your best. It's kind of a hit and miss relate. You're not bringing your best. You gotta bring your best. If you're gonna bring your best, you gotta close the door on some things. Some of you need to close the door on the negativity in your life. You got people talking negative. You just need to close the door. Nah, I ain't gonna listen to that no more. Mute, unfollow. I'm just gonna close the door on some negativity. Some of you need to close the door on the Some of you need to close the door on some sin. You need to get over, get beyond, get some help to get out of the sin that has easily got you tangled up and it is slowing. You can't move step by step because it's got you wrapped around the ankle, tied down and tethered down. You can't move forward because this sin is just holding on to you. You need to close the door on some of the sin in your life. You need to close the door. You need to close the door on the consumer mentality. I'm just here. I show up to church to get a word and then I go back and do what I want after that. Some of you need to close the door on that mentality. Church isn't something to be consumed. Church is a people to live and to be a part of. Here at Faith Church, we are committed contributors. We ain't casual consumers. We ain't about that. Why? Because we close in the door on the temptation to just sit back and consume, consume, consume. We're not about that. We're gonna close the door on that. We're gonna close the door on the cultural things of our lives that, that seem to make sense. Just because it's logical and it makes sense doesn't mean it's God's best plan for your life. It would be logical for us as a church to go out and take a loan so that we can build this sanctuary here on the south end of our, of our property. That would be logical. But can I tell you something? God hasn't given us that go ahead. So we're believing to build this sucker debt free. Pastor, that doesn't make a lot of sense. I know. I'm just kind of closing the door. I know it doesn't make sense. I know, I know it's not, not, not gonna be the fastest. It's not gonna be, no, I'm just, we're just gonna close the door for a little bit. 
and we're going to follow what God is saying for us to do. Why? Because sometimes you've got to close the door because otherwise your butts are talking really loud and you still got to bring it because God said to do it. You got to close. What do you need to close the door on? Verse six, he goes on to, to tell her a little bit more and we see a little bit more insight into this story. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. And then the oil stopped flowing. And the oil stopped flowing. When they were out of capacity, the oil stopped flowing. When there was not another available vessel, the oil stopped flowing. When there was nothing for the oil to be poured into, it stopped flowing. It stopped flowing. Every time you see in scripture oil mentioned, just about every time, it's a picture or a symbol of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians, Paul writes to the church and he tells them, you and I are jars of clay, earthen vessels. When there were no more vessels, the oil stopped flowing. When there were no more people who have emptied themselves and made themselves available to the cause of Christ, the oil stops flowing. When vessels come and they're filled with other things and there isn't much room for the things of God to pour in, the oil stops flowing. Some of you have felt like your walk with the Lord is really, really dry and stale. There's not much enthusiasm and joy in your faith. Perhaps there's no more room for the oil to be poured into. Maybe there are some things you need to pour out so that God can pour in. When you pour out, you create new capacity for the oil to get poured in. I know it's simple, but I hope you're catching it. Sometimes we need to pour out some of the stuff that doesn't belong in our lives. Some of us have been going to the wrong source. We've been getting bitterness filled in. We've been getting enviness filled in. We've been getting hatred filled in. We've been getting selfish. Selfishness is filling up our jars. Some people are getting filled up on, on um, 
just greed and hatred is filling up in your vessel. You got all sorts of stuff. Your hobbies are filling up your vessel. Your, your addictions have filled up your vessels. And you've been filling your vessel with all sorts of stuff. And some of you need to come to the altar and just say, Lord, I'm pouring that junk out. So there's a more capacity for your oil, for your presence, for your power, for your miraculous touch to be poured in. Some of you, you've had the power and the presence and the understanding of who God is, he's filled you. He's filled you up. But he ain't gonna keep filling you up until you start pouring out. Oil was meant to be poured in so that it could be eventually poured out. It wasn't about hoarding something in so that you just said, yeah, I got a lot of oil in my house. Oil in your house doesn't do you no good when you need to cook something if you're not gonna use the oil that God's given to you to cook. As a church, I think it's time that we bring it ourselves. Empty, so the Spirit of God can pour in, so that we as a church can go into the world in which we live and we can start pouring out so that we can come back and bring it back and get poured back in too. Every time we gather, it's a life-giving experience where we're hosting the presence of God, looking for ways to take a next step. We're getting poured in so that we can walk over to the world that we meet on Monday, on Wednesday, on Friday, and we can pour out what God has poured in. And then we show up again and we say, here we are, Lord. We're available. Use us. We want to serve. We want to build the kingdom. We want to become disciples. We want to make sure this is a space where everybody can belong. I'm showing up, God. Here I am. Fill me. Fill me, Lord. I'm an available vessel for you to pour into so that I can then pour out again. If things are growing stale in your life, maybe it's time that you keep pouring out and keep bringing back. It's time that you start pouring out and you keep bringing it back. It's time that you keep pouring out so you can keep bringing back. The only way we can continually overcome the buts, but what about this, but what about that, but I don't have enough, I don't feel like this. The only way we're gonna overcome those excuses is if we just make a decision, we're gonna bring it anyways. We're going to bring it anyways. We're going to come ready to be filled up, to be poured into so that we can move in and continue to see what God wants to do for us. God will fill what we bring. God will fill up what we bring back as well. Whatever we bring, God will fill. Whatever we bring, God will fill. We've got to keep bringing it back so that God can pour in, so that we can take it and pour it out, so that we can bring it back, so God can pour in, so we can go and pour it out. And then we bring it back, and God pours in, and we can pour out. And then we bring it back. Uh, God pours in, so we can pour it out. Then we bring it back one time, and God pours in, so we can pour. Oh, come on. Y'all got better rhythm than that. We've got to bring it back so God can pour in and then we got to go and we got to pour it out so then we can bring it back one time and God can pour it in one right and so 
Y'all, I'm going to have way too much fun. <laughs> Kiki, do you, okay, sorry. <laughs> Here at Faith Church, we are on the precipice of a move of God. Over the summer, there has been a stirring and a momentum that has been created. With every person who shows up, with every kid that finds that Jesus loves them, with every invite that has been given, with every seat that has been saved, every little thing, we're seeing some momentum stir and build. For the last two summers, we have grown, not decreased, as a church. We are at the beginning stages of a move of God, but friends, I've got to warn us. Every move of God eventually ceases when there are no more vessels available because when there are no more vessels, there is no more oil. When we can continue to make room for more people, when we can continue to bring God more vessels, God will continue to pour in to those vessels. My question to you is, where is your vessel? Is it full of stuff that it doesn't need to be? Have you brought it for a little while, but then you kind of got tired and you're ready to kind of give up and I'm not really ready to serve anymore and I'm tired of giving and I'm tired of inviting and I don't know about this and man, it's starting to get too crowded. I don't really like some of the people that I'm sitting around next to. I don't like it feeling full and feeling crowded in this place. I kind of like it more like this. You don't slip into that consumer mentality. That ain't for us here at Faith Church. No, we want to be a room full of vessels available for the Spirit of God to pour in so that all through the week and every Sunday that we're together, we're not just here to get poured into, we're here to get poured in and we're pouring out and we're letting it fill the other people that are sitting next to us and we're ministering to the people that are sitting in the cubicle that are work next to us and the clients that come into our office, we're there with the students that gather in our school rooms, we're pouring in, we're pouring out, we're pouring out and then we gather back and we bring it back and we say, here we are, we are another vessel ready to be used by God. And as long as there are vessels, there will be oil. As long as there are vessels, there will be oil. As we close today, I was praying and I felt the Holy Spirit whisper this to me. The oil is not in short supply. Because he is exceedingly, abundantly above kind of a God. The oil is not in short supply. But the empty vessels are. The oil is not, not, not in short supply. But the empty vessels available are. Today, I am asking every person who is a part of Faith Church, if this is your space, empty your vessel and bring it back. It's time to bring it. Leave your butts at home, but bring it. The pain and the problem, I'm not saying ignore it. I'm just saying bring it anyways. 
the excuses that you could come up with as to why not to serve, why not to give, why not to invite, why not to meet new people, why not to empty yourselves and open yourself up to all that God has for you because you got hurt at a church one time and you're not sure you believe everything and I don't know about all this other stuff and man, I, man I'm tired of somebody saying, and I just, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I'm just saying leave all that and bring it anyways. And when the spirit of God begins to fill you, and you recognize the joy that is found in pouring out into somebody else's life, you can't help but keep coming back for more. You can't help but bringing it back so he can pour in, and you're gonna pour it out, and then you're gonna bring it back so he can pour in, and you can pour out. I wanna challenge you, if you are not on a serve team, take the step, go back to the next steps area, and say, I'm a vessel. I'm ready. I want to serve. We have opportunities to serve in a lot of different ways. I believe that there's an outpouring that God wants to do in some of our online ministry. We've been praying about this all year long. But it's time to step up. We need some more vessels to be used to run a camera, mix some camera feeds, help us publish it online run some PowerPoint. We need some more people to show up to sit around with some toddlers and tell them how much Jesus loves them and to look them in the eye and tell them that they matter. We're about to start a, a team, uh, part of our guest experience team uh, for the parking lot. We're gonna have two and three people in the parking lot to help you know where to park and where not to park, help you get in and get out and be a friendly face all along the way. You don't have to tell nobody about Jesus. You don't have to wear anything special. You get to sit there, put an orange vest on and wave with a cone and tell people what to do. Some of you have been waiting to tell some people what to do. I'm telling you, this ministry is for, it's for you. The opportunities are there. Why? Because we see places where the spirit of God needs to be poured out. We're just missing a few empty vessels. Some of you need to start emptying your schedule a little bit. Why? So you got a vessel with capacity to receive God poured in. I want to challenge you. Take the step. Bring it. Bring it. Bring your vessel. Bring your vessel. And let's keep seeing God move because when we bring it, faith comes to life. Amen? Let's stand and let's pray. Father, we are here and you are here. Lord, we want you to pour in so that we can make a, the opportunity to pour out. And Lord, we'll bring it back. Lord, as long as there are empty vessels, your oil will continue to flow. So Lord, may we be people empty, ready for you to fill up. We thank you for it. Give us the courage to overcome our excuses, to overcome our, yeah, but what about this? I don't feel like I'm qualified. I don't feel like I'm gifted. I don't feel like I have anything to contribute. Lord, may we not live in the land of excuses, but Lord, may we make a decision to be bold. 
Lord, every great thing that's taken place throughout history started with sometimes somebody who's been overlooked. So, Lord, here we are. Use and fill us. We ask in the name of Jesus. In your name we pray.